Hello, and welcome back to episode three of Pursuing the Cornerstone. Uh, my name is Abigail Harrington, and I'm here with my brother, Robert, and my sister, Cecilia. And Guys. we're going to talk about, drumroll, Jesus. Anyways, can we just, like, talk about the fact that this this system upgraded here so we can see each other now? We don't have to be on FaceTime and have, like, two screens going at the same time. Really nice. This is pretty cool. We can even throw this sucker on YouTube if we could figure. If I'm smart enough to figure out it, figure it out. But I'm not that smart. So, anyways. Anyways, um, so as we were preparing to do episode three, um, Robert had come up with this super great idea, and Cecilia and I were totally on board. On board. Cecilia writes this question. Okay, she wrote this question in our shared Google Doc we have to, to plan this podcast, and the question is this simple. It's a simple six words. It is, what has Jesus done for us? And, you know, I looked at this question and I took a notebook out and I wrote that question on top of my notebook. I just said, what has Jesus done for us? And then I stopped and I couldn't even begin to comprehend what I should write next, which is crazy because as a 19 year old who's been following Jesus, you know, as long as I can remember, I've had it preached into my head, you know, John 3, 16, he came down. He died for us. You know? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Exactly. And I had those that verse memorized. But as I sat down to answer this, such a, it should be such a simple answer, but yet it's such a complex and insane idea that I as a human cannot even begin to comprehend. And so I called Cecilia and I said, Cecilia, I can't answer this question. And I was like, could you imagine like someone who doesn't, who's a new Christian or is an unbeliever, how they could even begin to answer that question. So today, folks, you know, we just really want to dive into that question that I'm sure you've heard asked or you think, you know, the answer to just what has Jesus done for us? Um, And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 through 8, it says, for I handed down to you as one of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to scripture and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the 12 and after that he after that he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time most of whom remain until now but some have fallen asleep then he appeared to James then to the apostles and last of all as to one untimely born he appeared to me also yeah, absolutely. So that's the gospel, right? That's the <laughs> what he's done for us. That's but the I think, gospel. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think to best understand, though, what Jesus has done for us, we have to first understand, and we talked about this a little bit last week. We have to first understand that we have a problem. And, you know, that problem came into the world when, when Eve decided to, to eat the fruit. Well, we're back to the women again, aren't we here? Yes. And, you know, it can be really difficult. And then Adam ate the fruit too. And God's, they wanted to be like God. They wanted to know things that God knew. Romans 3.23, which we've read before on here. But for all of sin and and, and fall short of the glory of God, which is what you're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. So they were kicked out of the garden. Things were fallen. The world is broken. And we have problems now because we decided to turn our backs on God, which is just a huge thing and just 
a struggle for everyone. And we can see that even in our world today with things going on, or if you're dealing with sickness or brokenness or, you know, any number of things, it can be really difficult to, um, to understand if you well, don't it's everything going on right now, you know, oh, yeah, that's, the, that's the justification for everything that's happening, you know, oh, yeah. a pandemic, yeah. uh, riots, uh, election turmoil. Uh, I mean the thing in Burma, I don't know if you've been seeing the thing in Burma with like the military coup and uh, it, it, that's literally the justification for everything that's going on in the world right now. And the only answer to solving that stuff is, is what Abigail? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And then I think as you walk through history, it's really cool. And I would encourage everyone, you know, if you have an opportunity to just read even the Old Testament and see how God has Which been. Which is hard. It is hard sometimes. Has been it working, is hard. I've been reading it. It is not easy. Yeah, has been working throughout history to bring us back to him. It's just a really cool story. Even how he used the Israelites who were all the time not doing what he wanted them to do to show us, you know, what it means to follow him and to what well, it means to be like us. One of the biggest realizations I had pretty late, I think last year actually, was that folks, we are the Israelites. Like, so th- we think about the Israelites, right? And God had made this covenant with them. They understood that they had a king coming. And but they wanted this earthly kingdom that they wanted yeah, to we do. They we wanted someone to stuff. and deliver them out of exile. Yet they had this promise from God and they continued to fall away. So God would raise up a leader and then he would fall short. And so then God would redeem them again and raise up another leader and he would fall short. And, you know, we see that ultimately it wasn't until he sent his son, Jesus, who built this kingdom, not on earth, but in heaven. That we finally get that, you know, that redemption story that we're talking about. But like, we're the Israelites, folks. We have scripture in our midst. Like, we can read God's they word. had that smoke cloud and the fire and they could have the, you know, the tabernacle and God was there. And people would, if you were in there and you weren't supposed to, you'd be struck down. Well, I get, I guess what, guys? We are wandering in the desert right now. I mean, that's what we are doing. We are the Israelites. We're wandering around looking for answers. What's going on? But here's the good news. That king has come. Jesus is that king. We are redeemed. And just like the Israelites, we have the choice, folks. Like, are we going to follow these earthly kingdoms that can continue to rise up and fall to ashes? Or are we going to follow the kingdom of God, which we know is eternal and almighty and the most powerful? And, you know, like Cecilia said, we have to recognize that, that, that we have that problem in order to know that we need that solution. So we need to recognize that we have a problem of sin, which we are told the wages of sin is death. Death. And the only thing that can overcome that sin is Jesus and the Holy Spirit and your choice to repent and to be baptized and to follow Jesus. And so in order to recognize that we have a solution, we got to recognize that we have a pretty big problem. Which is death because no one wants to die. A lot of people fear death. And like I talked about before, I think that's why everyone is this pandemic's been such a big deal to people is because everyone's afraid of dying of from this random virus that's floating around. Can it, I mean, it's real. I mean, I had it, Abigail had it, it's real, but you don't need to fear dying like that. Like it, you should be able to still live a normal life without having to fear even walking outside. Like even commercials now, they're like, order your food through Grubhub or uh, what was this? Like Super Bowl, everyone was like, on the Super Bowl commercials, it was like, stay inside. Like, 
don't ever go outside. And they don't want you to get with people. They want you to be isolated and by yourself at home. And that goes so much back to what we talked about with hope. Like you can absolutely have no hope if you're being told that you're going to get sick. If you walk outside your door or if you meet with your fellow Christian brothers and sisters or your friends or your family, there's so many people I know that wouldn't go to see their family for holidays this year because they were scared of, oh, of there's like a target commercial. Have you seen the Target commercial where it's like they go to Target and or like TJ Maxx or something or some store and buy stuff for their grandparents and then go and set it on the steps and give it to them? Have you seen so that commercial? Sad. Yeah, I have. And and it's not like, that, like, oh and it's not even that we don't think that the virus is real and that you shouldn't take precautions even necessarily, you know, if they're legitimate, but you know, our our hope, we have hope in something so much greater and you can't live your life in fear because God's only given us this one life. No. And, you know, that's we just can't. And because if you did, your life's going to pass you by. Hebrews 10, 10. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So let's talk about that for a minute. So he died for us. Yeah. Yeah, So let's go there. Let's go back to that here. Yeah. Let's go back to what we were talking about. So just a couple things that I think about when I think about (laughs) number one is that even from the very beginning, when Adam, right after Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan because he foretold about Jesus um, coming even in, I think it's Genesis three. Hold on. Um, I have to find it. Well, I'll keep moving. Maybe Robert and Abigail can find it for me. But the other, the other part that I was thinking of is, so I have a six month old baby boy. And ever since he's been born and especially around Christmas time, I keep thinking about the idea of, having to give him up to die so that everyone else in the world can be saved. And that's the position that Mary was in. (laughs) And it blows my mind because it would be so hard. Like even from the, and I don't know if Mary completely grasped what all that meant, but I just can't even imagine. So Jesus came to earth as a baby, which is number one, it's just mind blowing that he humbled himself to the point where he came to the earth as a baby And then he grew up in the flesh, just like us. Yeah. And he grew up and gave his life for us. And I just, I can't, I just can't even like he he was the king of the universe to Matthew, Matthew 20, where it's the, the labors in the vineyard vineyard. And, um, Oh, never mind. So a verse, you're okay. Yeah. Well, a verse that comes to mind with me where it is, talks about um, well, we're talking about the the vineyard and um and so in the vineyard and the the work that he sends his slaves and he they kill the slaves and then he sends his son. They're like, let's kill the son and take everything for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That that the, that parable. That's exactly what what happened. That's what exactly what happened in the world. We missed all these signs. God sent his son, and then we had to kill him to be sanctified through him for the forgiveness of sins, which is crazy to think about. But that goes back like like I'm the only son in our family. So basically I, the Harrington name will die with me or live with me. Like I am the last one. And I, I can't imagine – I don't think mom and dad, like they're very protective, but would give me up to save lives like that. So Like they, they gave up earthly life. Let's throw in a little bit of our family history here a little bit. So I'm the oldest Uh-oh. and Robert is yes, stuck between Abigail and I. And if you ask 
all of us who the favorite child is. Abigail and I frequently agree that is Robert. Let's <laughs> just say that when we were growing up, me and Cecilia had to do all these things and all these clubs. And Robert over here could sweet talk our mom out of well, anything. That's the key word is sweet talk. Well, so you, it you got to have but it wasn't always sweet talk either because there were times my mom was the secretary at the high school and Robert would purposely take 45 minutes or longer to get ready in the morning so that she would be late to work. It used to make her really mad. But, you know, that's just a little bit of a side note there. So well, definitely it's just, Joy is the favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like. So I was I was talking to Cecilia, and I remember. So we grew up in Patrick'sburg, good old Patrick'sburg, ginormous field next to our house. And I remember one time we were standing outside. Um, it was dark out. We were playing. I think glow in the dark frisbee maybe. Um, right. And there's not a lot of light, so nothing really blocks the beauty of God's creation. And so I remember very vividly. I looked up at the sky, and I just saw the immaculate view of these stars and the sky and I remember thinking in that moment like I follow the God who created that and you know obviously I try to think about eternal life or I even try to grasp what Jesus has done for us and I I can't like I cannot even begin to wrap my head around the concept that someone who was perfect in every single way who had a throne a place on a throne next to God would come down to this earth would suffer unimaginable things, the most gruesome death for people who are sinners, who do not deserve it, who constantly turn away from the love of God. And Wandering yet, in the desert. Jesus so, willingly gave himself up for that. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So yeah, I don't go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Abby. No, I just don't know that we as Americans can truly grasp the idea of dying for, for, for our faith, for following God. Like we, we get persecuted in a lot of different ways. We have it good. We have Maybe very less, good. Yeah, like less harsh ways. Um, and so that's something that I've always struggled with, like realizing that there's people in this world who are willing, like Jesus was willing to die because they follow God. And that to me is, I mean, that's pretty crazy to me. But then we see the example that Jesus gives us of the willingness to do so. And that should totally change your mindset of the type of faith that you should be living out because your life should reflect a faith where you're willing to die for your savior. Matthew right. twenty one thirty three is the parable of the landowner, which is I what I was trying it, yeah. to get to earlier, and I totally spaced it. So that's what I was trying to get to earlier, where they they, they sent all these slaves and they killed them and stoned them and all this stuff, and then they, he sent his son to them, saying, and this is verse thirty seven. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, "They will respect my son." But when the vine growners saw the son, they said among themselves, "This is the heir. Heir, come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance." They took him and threw him out of the, vi- the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do? to those vineyard growers. So there it is right there. He, well, they, he sent, uh, he sent his son. We killed him. We didn't respect him. We killed the man. And there we go. Yeah. And, and, and then we keep talking about Jesus and, and how he died for us, but it, it was painful. You know, and like, that's another thing. Like it wasn't like he didn't feel pain. You know, he took on all of our sins on the cross. 
Well, and it wasn't, and, and it wasn't when he was living on the earth too. It wasn't like it, he, he had it easy. Like he was tempted by the devil in Matthew four. I mean, he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he goes out into the desert and the devil tempts him. So like he had the same temptations we did that we have on this earth, which is also crazy to think about that God could take that form and experience what we experience on a daily basis. Well, you know, it says in and uh, still be perfect. First Peter 2, 21, it says, for this you were called since Christ also suffered for you, leaving, a, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin nor deceit was found in his mouth. When he was maligned, he did not answer back. When he suffered, he threatened no retaliation, but committed himself to God judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we may cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have turned back to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And I think, I think the thing here though, to remember too, is like, and this can be a more broad topic sometimes, but like Jesus wasn't just, just a man or just God. He was both. And I, I feel like that would have been a hard mm-hmm. position to be in sometimes. And I think we can also see that, that, that God part, I mean, he was always God, but especially when he got the Holy spirit as baptism is when his ministry really started. But you know, Jesus, I mean, that would have been difficult. He would have known what was coming. And when he died, it wasn't just like he, he was in pain. Like crucifixion was a painful way to die. And he had a crown of thorns on his head. He had been previously beaten. He, I mean, just an awful, awful way to die. It's just terrible. I couldn't even imagine the pain and suffering. Plus on the fact that he was, he was taking on the weight of our sins and and the sin separates us from God. So Jesus, for the first time in his entire life, was separated from the Father. I just can't, I just can't wrap my brain around it. But the cool thing is about this story, and the story that I love more than anything, is he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead, guys. He yeah. rose again three <laughs> days later. And that is such an amazing thing. And you know, if it wasn't, even if had Jesus had come and he had died, fine. But if he had stayed dead, it didn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered. Jesus would have just been a great man who came to live on earth. It's the resurrection that makes a difference. Yeah. It, it would be uh, it'd be just like, um, here's this great man with these great ideas that teaches how to live. But, you know, other than that, it didn't mean nothing. And then there would be no purpose, like we talked about. There'd be no purpose to even be on the earth if he didn't, if he wasn't resurrected. I mean, like he conquered death. I mean, without that element, it's just a man who died on a cross and we're just a bunch of sinful people who will die also, which is scary. Yeah. Think and, that, and that's where, and you know, it's not just his resurrection. Just not want something that two disciples saw or, you know, just a couple people saw, but even in the verse that Abigail read to open the podcast, it talks about how he appeared to a couple disciples. And then he appeared to several different large groups of people, even up to a group of 500 people. Like, Jesus was seen after he rose from the dead. He was seen by witnesses, first person eyewitnesses, and they wrote about it in the Bible. And so that's why one of the reasons the Bible can be so reliable to us is just the fact that people were there and they saw it. And just an incredible event that completely changed history and gave us the opportunity to be reconciled to gave God. Gave us hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we wouldn't have life without the resurrection. Gave yeah. us purpose, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even it doesn't even stop with the resurrection. It doesn't no. stop with the resurrection. No. Like 
the ministry of Jesus does not stop at the resurrection. And that's something that that should change the entire way you live. Like the fact that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us because of all of this, this, these steps that God had to take to deliver us. And so we have this Holy Spirit. So how are you living out what Jesus has done for you? Which is a gift from God. It was, it's like a, it's like a replacement down here on earth to help us after Jesus had died, after Jesus had, had ascended. And, Cause it talks about in John where it talks about, it's a gift from God to help us. And then you look at Acts. If you read through Acts, it's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. And you look at the transformative nature and the things he did in Acts. And like, if you just read on the day of Pentecost and there was a heaven and a noise like a rushing wind and it filled the whole house they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as if the fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them an utterance. Like, that's Jesus right there. That is Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit right there working in these ordin- ordinary men. So, so something cool also about the Bible that I just love that as you as you read more and you understand how the Bible works throughout history, you know, like God shows us who he is, God the Father, in the Old Testament. We get to know him through the Old Testament stories. And then in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first part of the New Testament, we get to know who Jesus was. And then... From there on, after Jesus has died, resurrected, and gone back to heaven, we get to know who the Holy Spirit is. And I think so often we're like, oh, I just wish that I could see Jesus, or I could see God, or I could see the things that are happening. But really, we're probably, and that would be great. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see those things. But I think we discount how much the Holy Spirit can help us, how much the Holy Spirit leads us, how much the Holy Spirit does in our lives because Jesus is still alive and working and he works through us through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and people it's miss that thing. People miss that. Yeah. And, and, and we're not alone. I mean, in the, in the sermon today, the, just the fact that, you know, like, like the sermon today, the guy was talking about anxiety and, you know, praying to the father when you need help. Like it's a normal, like he's like, I mean, like we have communication with God. Well, in, in um, Hebrews 3, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Therefore, let us have confidence. Let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace wherever we need help. Confidently approach that throne. We are told that even though we know that Jesus went through everything we went through and he didn't fall short, he overcame, even though we fall short. Acts 2, 24, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for me held in its power. Death no longer has a grip on us because Jesus died on the cross and was raised again. And the Holy Spirit came down as a gift and we all have the Holy Spirit residing in us today. I mean, through, I mean, you can read, you can read about how the Holy Spirit, I mean, like when Jesus was baptized, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming down over the water. And then like this rushing wind and it filled the whole house. They were sitting the rushing wind, like the Holy spirit was coming upon these guys in acts two. Like, and what's crazy is they started speaking all these languages and the guys are like, are, are you guys drunk? Well, no, it was the Holy spirit working in them. Yeah. And just know, we don't really see the Holy spirit necessarily working that way anymore. So there were special gifts in the new Testament that the apostles were able to lay their hands on people and give. 
And those have kind of eliminated since the apostles are gone. And we have the Bible. They didn't even really have the Bible then. Mm -hmm. So we have the Bible that we can share with people. But on the note, I found a scripture that talks about what Robert was talking about. First Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus we not only escape death, we are victorious. Pretty cool thing, guys. Awesome. And uh, I Hebrews 4.12. I love this. I'm going to read this real quick. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and the piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and, and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that yeah. goes back to Celia was saying the word is active. Mm-hmm. The word is where, like, when you read right, the Bible, point, you know, it's not like God like speaks to us like we could talk to somebody on the telephone and God says you should do this or you should do that. And actually, I think Robert has a story about this, and I think it'll fit well. But let me finish my point first. Is just that, you know, that when you read the word, it is our manual for life, and you can, and it works in us and through us, and it's still reliable and relatable today. And the Bible is thousands of years old. What other thousand year old book do you know? that you can relate to your life today. Cause I can't name one. It's just really, truly incredible. Okay. Best Robert, seller. Lay us on. Best seller. It's a bestseller. It is a bestseller. You're right. What story you want to hear? About how what God story am I telling? gave you your direction this week and how you were bummed out. I think you should share that. Oh, oh yeah. This is actually a pretty good story. Uh, so, um, I was thinking I was gonna be gone for how long this summer. Did I tell you guys like 50 days? A long time. Um, this summer. Uh, a long time. And I, I've been struggling. I'm not really struggling, but praying to God to show me what he wants me to do with my life. Cause you know, I'm trying to surrender to him completely and let him just work through me. You know, if that's in the military, that's in the military. If it's, you know, in ministry, it's the ministry. If it's, you know, in working in a school with kids running workouts, it's that. Um, so I've been praying and praying and praying. And, um, I was thinking, I was thinking I was going to get to go to this thing called CTLT this summer where you go and shadow a second Lieutenant and learn how to do the job. And essentially I got a phone call and they're like, we don't think this would be, you, you deserve this, but we don't think you need to do this. And they basically didn't give it to me. So, you know, that, that's, you know, God's, God's working today, you know, like he, he's giving me answers, you know, I, I, that's something I wanted to do, you know, personally, but it's not about what I want to do. You know, it's, it's God's will. And so now I'm only going to be gone for like 30 days and I'm going to get to work in a high school running workouts with with kids all summer. So, I mean, I, God is, God's alive right there. And was I bummed out? Cecilia, was I bummed out? Um, I think a little bit, if but, we're being, you know, but you weren't upset. More than anything, it was just reassuring the fact mm-hmm. that God's working, you know, cause you know, that was my will, you know, we call, we keep talking about surrender and, and all this stuff. But it, I mean, I was just praying like, what, what do you want me to do? And he, he showed me. <laughs> so, so talking about God working. So today, so Robert and Abigail, you may have caught this a little bit. We're actually up at my house this weekend and they got to go to church today. And, you know, we, there was a lady at church today that was baptized. Which was and cool. There's Which was nothing cool. cooler really ever than somebody being baptized, deciding to accept Jesus. And then always, even when we were growing up, because we listen to hymns a lot, even in our church that we grew up with and the church I'm in now, we do a lot of hymns and it's now I belong to Jesus. And, you know, there's nothing cooler than somebody being baptized and then singing 
Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Cool. And you're a lot better singer than me. Belongs to you. That's awesome. Can we just point out the fact, though, that I think we should start making baptism a standing ovation moment? I think that should be a thing. Because, you know, like when you're like at a sporting event, like, you know, someone hits a game winner in basketball. Like we watch a lot of basketball. People storm the court. I think we need to like normalize storming the court figuratively in the church when someone is baptized. And it's, and it's absolutely the most important decision that you're going to make in your life, other than maybe who you marry. It's absolutely the most important decision. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, and that's the next step in the process, right, guys? So we know that Jesus died for us. We know no, that he's, raised, he's, baby. he's alive and he's alive today. Jesus is alive. We know that he rose from the dead. And so uh, Go ahead. Hold on. This is, this is John 1, 1, cause we were talking about the word, um, which I, we read this before, but in the, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so here is where you have a decision (laughs) and that decision is not something that somebody else can make for you. We can't make this decision for you, but what we're trying to get you to see is that Jesus has done so much for you and he loves you so much guys. And just because you decide to follow Jesus doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect or great or that you're not going to have trouble. but it makes it so much better because you have Jesus and you also have that hope of eternal life and living forever with him. Eternal life. Yeah. See, so, that's, that's, the, that's the big thing. Like, I don't think people fully wrap their minds around the concept of eternal life, but I'm not sure. I you know, we're so, people are so materialistic, you know, like it's hard to look. What's that? What's that mercy me song? Like we're almost home or whatever. Mm-hmm. We listened yeah. on the way home and I was like, wow, that's actually pretty powerful. Cause this is not our home. Like this is just temporary. And like God's mind, our life on earth is like milliseconds, you know, mm-hmm. like, he, like we're here for such a short amount of time and people get so caught up in, in earthly success and, and all this stuff. And I, 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 uh, I've listened to a Tim Tebow sermon where he was talking about success. Cause he's had a lot of success. He like won a Heisman and all this stuff. And he says, I don't want to be successful in this life. I want to be significant, mm-hmm. which I think is very powerful because like I keep, like we keep saying, it's not about what we do with our lives. You know, it's not about, you know, I could, I don't know, go get a PhD and save millions of lives in medicine or something crazy. But it, it's, it's not about what we do; it's what Jesus does through us. Because without Him, we are nothing. Well, yeah, and I think there's urgency there. Like mm-hmm. we're told, there's an example. Silly, help me out here. There's an example in Scripture where it talks about um, even the the demons believe. Um, yeah, Jesus is casting out a demon, I think. is maybe. Yeah, and it talks about how even demons believe. So James just believing, what is it? James 2.19. James 2.19. So we'll pull that up here. But just believing isn't enough, guys. Like, you have to fully surrender your entire life to Jesus. Jesus fully surrendered his entire life for us. So it That's says, you do in return. Yeah, it says, you believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. There was oftentimes in the New Testament throughout the Gospels where Jesus was casting out demons and telling them, don't tell people who I am. I know you know, but don't tell people because it wasn't time necessarily either. But something else, too, with that whole thing is just the idea of once you're baptized and you make a decision to follow Jesus, you are not alone. You have a group of brothers and sisters to follow you. And we think about Jesus establishing a kingdom. And it isn't the kingdom we think about, but his kingdom is here now. We are not waiting for his kingdom to come. If you kingdom is here. here. It is here. And that's kind of goes back to this one. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Um, we we know someone recently who is younger and had a serious health issue, you know, and, and we the thing that kept popping in my head because we keep talking about don't wait is, you know, the parable of the 10 virgins with the oil and how some of them took extra oil with them and some of them didn't. And then when the when the bridegroom came, some were out of oil, you know, <laughs> there's you can't this is not this is not something you can put off, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't know, you know, I could die tomorrow. You know, yeah. we don't know. And that's, and that's the you, thing. I, like, this is something. Yeah. No, if you have a decision to make, if you have a decision to make for Jesus, and we're going to talk about what that decision is a little bit, I think. If you have a decision to make for Jesus, you should not wait. People talk about the end times and the end times coming, but guys, we have been in the end times since Jesus went back You're to here, heaven. 2,000 years. We're there. He can come back at any time. You have got to make this decision or you now. could die. You could die tomorrow. You know, like not you know, he could come back anytime or you know, he you you could die. And then what? Right. You who you know, he's not gonna be like, Oh, you were putting this off or oh, you were kind of you were kind of following me. No, he doesn't well, it's not about that. The example of the eunuch where he's like, Well, there's a body of water, what prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> well, there's water it. all around us. <laughs> make the choice today to follow Jesus. And this is obviously not a choice that you should enter into lightheartedly, but this is a choice that will change your life. You're, you will gain eternal life. Like this is not just about what you're doing tomorrow. It's about what you're going Conquer to do. Death. So, so what is and that? So we're told. Like? In, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Abby, go ahead. Right. Right. That's well, we are told in yeah. um, Colossians two twelve having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So that's the first, I think it's important. Yeah. So absolutely. And I think part of it is just, so first you need to make that decision. Are you going to follow Jesus? Number one, because following Jesus, like we've talked about means surrendering your whole life and you need to be willing to do that. But also like when you come to the realization that Jesus died for your sins, and you are ready to proclaim that in front of an audience of people so that you can be held accountable and you're ready to enter the water of baptism. Don't wait, right? We need to repent and be baptized so that we can Please receive don't. the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. Yeah. Right. And it's just, I mean, this is a massive decision, guys, and you can't put it off. Please don't put it off. If you know what Jesus has done for you and you believe it and you're ready to commit your life to him, Find somebody to talk to or reach out to one of us because the time is near. He's coming back soon, and we don't want you to be lost. Act 836. This is exactly what Abigail's talking about, but I'm going to read it because I, every time I read it, I think it's crazy. So as they went along the road, they came to some water, and Munich said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And there's exclamation points there, folks. See, this is something else. We should, we as Christians and people who know Jesus, what Jesus did for us, we need to be enthusiastic about that. Right. You know, like it's a big deal. Right. Like we have conquered death. So when people see you or, or, you know, come into a church service, it shouldn't be, Oh, like, you know, we should be excited to share the news. Like we have the way Jesus gave us the way and we are tasked with sharing it with people so that they don't die either. Right. You know, and- you should share this with people. Listen, don't hide your lamp. Don't cover up your lampshade, you know? Right. And one thing I just want to like, point out because this is something that I'll, I'll be honest with you guys like I've struggled with in my day-to-day life but like when I'm let's say having a conversation with someone in a dorm room or when I'm sitting doing homework like obviously 
maybe Jesus isn't my first thought. And so therefore in those conversations, like I'm not doing my absolute best to reflect him because it's not like very present in that moment. But then obviously like I'm on this podcast and I'm like, urgency, urgency, urgency. But then like, how are we as Christians living out that urgency? And obviously like you have to remember that those conversations you're having, that show you're watching, that activity you're going to, like that's so temporary. And so how are we leading people to the eternal answer, to the eternal life? Ooh, and so that's where that answer. urgency comes from. And even when you're like, you're not feeling that urgency, like it's still there. And there's people who need to hear the word and who need to make this decision. And it's our job as the church to lead people back to Jesus. And it doesn't always have to be, and I am not good at this. I'm working on it. You know, it doesn't always have to be automatically like shoving the gospel down their throat. Oh, like no. oh, just no. Jesus, something no. that we do, we talk about here at the church is connect, invest and share. So you just connect with somebody, you get to know, you know, who they are, what they're doing. You invest in them. You have so, to have a relationship with someone yeah. to share Jesus with them. So you invest, you, have them, to. you invest in them, you invite them over to your house, maybe have a meal with them, hang out, you know, play games, whatever. And then when the time is right and you, and you get to know them better, you know, then you can share that gospel with them and, and share the good news with them. And sometimes, you know, you get to skip around in that. It's not always a slow process. Some people are ready now, but, but it does take some time. Yeah. But, but you have to know the gospel to share the gospel. And so even, read the gospel. Even just, like working in one liners, which we've talked about before. Like, so like some of my new ones are like, don't worry. It's all good. I have hope because like 97% of the conversations are about negativity going on in the world. Uh, another one I used recently on a lady who I love so much um, is God bless you. Just saying something simple like that just makes people think because as soon as I said that she immediately started talking about her like faith and like how, how what she believed, you know, just, else, yeah. Just talking about it. And something else I would encourage you to do that I've done recently is last year I started a Bible study with people that were close to my own age. And we go to different churches and different things, but it's so encouraging to get together and just talk about the scripture and talk about things that are going on in our lives and have a common mindset on that. Plus you get great friends out of that too. That's been a great way for me to connect with people here. And I just encourage you to try to be, no matter where you are, get connected into a Bible study throughout the week because that helps you stay grounded in what you're doing and what's going on around you and, and just helps you stay in the word. Yeah. I just recently, I just recently joined a Bible study and I'm pretty sure the average age is 65, but I'm excited for it. So <laughs> just so everyone knows. But, yeah. well, what's, what's, yeah. the, what's the scripture, Cecilia, where it says where there's two or more people, the spirit is there also. Let me look. Where two or more gather in my name. Yeah. It's Matthew, Matthew 18, 18 20. When two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Mm -hmm. Holy cow, guys. Are you gathering with people? Because God's there too. Yeah. Yep. And I would encourage you, you know, church isn't just something that's done on Sundays. You know, right? We can do church throughout the week. You can meet with people throughout through church. You can you can do Bible well, study. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a question. We can end on this. So you you're married, correct? Yeah. Okay. So what are we compared to? What are we compared to? We are God's bride. The church is the bride of Christ. So let me ask you something, Celia. Do you do your marriage two hours, two hours a week? Do you set aside two hours, a t two hours for your husband a week? Is that it? No, that's not how it works. Oh my goodness. Like so that's how it worked. <laughs> so you're telling me that you meet every day and you have conversation with one another and you do your, life together? Your lives are intermingled with each other. Is that what you're saying? That's usually how it works. Yeah. Oh my goodness, guys, that's the church. Wait a second here. Maybe we should be a better bride to Christ, people. 
This is not something you do an hour a week. And once you start being the bride to Christ, people are going to find Jesus and you're going to tell them the gospel. People are going to be baptized and people's lives are going to be changed. So urgently pursue the cornerstone. Because remember, we are his vessels. We don't transform people. He does. The spirit does. We don't do that. The spirit is the one speaking. The spirit is the one doing it. We just, we just share. The spirit's the one that does the changing. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we do, Abigail? Pursue the cornerstone. Urgent. Pursue the cornerstone. Urgently. Please do not waste time. You do not know when, what will happen tomorrow or a second from when you finish listening to this. Absolutely. All right, guys, come back for episode four. I'm going to pray. Cecilia, you want to pray this time? Or you want- pray. Absolutely. Dear Jesus. We love you so much, and we thank you for for the sacrifice that you made for us, God, that you came to earth as a baby, that you lowered yourself to our level, and you died for us. And then you rose again three days later, God, and you give us hope, and you give us life. And I pray if there's anyone out there today that needs to make a decision for you, God, that you will lay it on their heart, and they will not wait, and that you give us all the courage to share your message with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pursue the cornerstone. See you next.